Hey everybody, Thomas here to give you a quick update from iCast Fireball. I say I'm giving you all an update, but I mainly just want to give a big ol' thank you to everyone that has been following along and listening to our show. Over this past month, you all have surprised us and helped us get over 1,200 downloads for the month of January. This was by far the most downloads we've ever had up to this point and is quite literally thanks to all of you. There is a lot of excitement over here at ICF as a result of this, and it's caused us to dream bigger than we ever dared dream. At our core, the cast of ICF are all storytellers, and there are more stories that we'd like to share beyond this campaign. But of course, more stories means more work, and we're already pushing Mickey hard enough with the editing. Like many of our own favorite podcasts, we've been considering launching a Patreon account, which would give us the juice we need to provide more content for our wonderful fans. But before we jump in headfirst, we'd like to see if there's enough interest to justify taking this big step. So, for the next two months, we will be taking a poll that will help drive and shape the future of iCast Fireball. Now you can participate in this poll in two different ways. The first way is to contribute to our Kofi account. Kofi is a free-to-use and feedless online donation service that allows you to tip creators directly without part of your donation being taken by the website itself. As I mentioned, we will mainly be using this as a poll, so even giving the minimum donation amount is a strong indicator to us on how much you would like new material from ICF and if starting a Patreon would be a viable next step for us. Our Kofi account will be in the episode description. The second way you can contribute is by reaching out to us at our email, icastfireball2020 at gmail.com, or tagging us on social media using the hashtag icastfireball. We would love to hear any suggestions you have or preferences of what stories you would like to see told. Again, this poll will take place over the next two months, so let us know what you think during that time to help us shape the future of iCast Fireball. As always, thank you for lending us your ear, and on with the show! Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of iCast Fireball, an actual play 5e D&D adventure where we play through the campaign, Tyranny of Dragons. I'm Thomas, your DM for this adventure, and around the table we have... Malamara. Lance Thalen. And Fleeple. All right. Well, let's see where we left our adventurers off last time, shall we? Last time our adventurers, they had departed out of Greenest and headed westward to seek out Candlekeep, an ancient and vast library with an immense collection of books, tomes, magic, and knowledge, where their ally, Leosin, is waiting for them. Now, along the way, the Jank Squad had some time on their hands, so Fleeple, with the assistance of Lance, was able to decipher the code left amongst Mondath's letters, notes, and it's, as it seems, schemes. This valuable intel from her letters was something that they wanted to share as soon as they got back to Candlekeep with Leosin, but on their last night before arriving at Candlekeep itself, Fleeple was alerted to someone snooping around their camp and kicked off a battle with a thunder wave. Now, three humanoid creatures revealed themselves, and they all appeared to have alien features. Their skin had a deep yellow hue to them, and there were natural brown spots covering their face and some of their arms. But the most peculiar thing is instead of noses, they seemed to all have slits that acted like their nostrils. Now, although the enemy attack was coordinated, 
They were defeated soundly by our adventurers as one of the monks had written a note before finally going unconscious. Who are these individuals and why did they attack our party? We'll find out. But first, we go back a few days for our adventurers. Only three days out on their journey from Greenest, halfway between Greenest and Candlekeep. Fleeple going through the notes of the first on his first attempt, trying to figure things out with Lance's assistance from time to time, but really just spending some time. And we find that everybody is just relaxing by the fire. Fleeple, after some time and some frustration, you put away the, the notes, hoping to pick it up uh, either later that night before you go to bed or the next day, but all of you find yourselves relatively relaxed amongst this fireplace. Mal, you being on a passive watch and everybody uh, eating their meal and the rations that they still have from Greenest, the moon only a half crescent at the time being and not quite obscured, but partially obscured by the clouds. You find yourself with some free time on your hands. Now, is there anything that anyone would like to do during this time or during this night? Lance would like to check out the dragon eggs that are in our pack. And okay. I would like to uh, just try and throughout our journey make sure that they stay alive because I don't want us getting to Candlekeep and saying, look at this evidence, and it's a bunch of dead eggs. And even if they are like dragon eggs, they might be like, well, it's long dead, so you know we have nothing to worry about or like the, they weren't really taking care of them or you know some way to, to poke holes through the seriousness of what we're going through. Absolutely. Well, and, and if I recall correctly... Um, you had a chest created for these eggs, and there were three of them that you've carefully put in and wrapped straw around and maybe even some blankets to cause a buffer so that as you jostle on the road, they're not bumping into each other. They're thoroughly protected. And Lance, as you open this chest and you slowly start to unwrap one of the eggs, before you even inspect it, as you do, you just, there's this smell that like seems to waft up into your nose, and it's 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 unpleasant. It's not quite uh, sulfurous, and it's 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 the same smell you you had when you went into the nursery initially. And every time you check on these eggs, um, it's that same exact smell. Um, and that's just checking passively, uh, just checking with Fleeple. You understand that that's part of this type of a dragon. These being black dragon eggs, that these will either become black half dragons or black full dragons, and so. That, that's just the nature of uh, this type of chromatic dragon. You're just wanting to inspect to see how far along they are, or just to make sure that they're okay, right? Yeah, just taking care of them throughout the journey, trying to at least. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, go and roll me a nature check here. I will say, because of this kind of concern, especially over their, over their well-being, Lance has felt this almost unnatural feeling of being able to to notice things in nature a little bit more on this trail. So that's kind of what keyed his eye onto this, is that he has a little bit more understanding for it. Absolutely. And as you uh, as you start to inspect these eggs, you can go and roll for your uh, nature check here, but as you inspect these eggs, you just feel drawn to this to inspecting things in nature, especially these eggs, and you hear a whispering. Just th these, these voices, again, these voices are passive in your head. But as you're focusing in on a specific task... What was your nature roll? It was a 10. I didn't roll very high. 10. Okay. Similar to uh, Ned, we'll have uh, you roll twice throughout this journey to just check in on them. And this being your first time, we'll, we'll say 
you hear this whispering in the back of your mind, and it's a fairly recent development, but one that you know that is not uncommon. And you hear Mondath's voice coming from the back of your mind to the front of your mind. And she, a lot of times she has this mantra, but not this time. This time, she seems to be gaining some semblance of where she's at, what's going on in your mind, and she looks down at these eggs and goes, These eggs, the bane of my existence. And she's not speaking to you. She's just speaking aloud, you know? Like, it, it, but you are you hearing her? These eggs, bane of my existence, have chained to them. They were chained to me. <sighs> it's a shame that they look as good as they do. It's a shame that they have survived this long. If I could smash them, if I could grab them. It's a shame that they have such... And, and, and as she keeps muttering, she describes what she, how she wishes she could do with them if she were in control, if she had this, the ability to take her destiny into her own hands. But you gather from your inspection and her taking a look at things as well, just sort of being this passenger from what she's saying, that these eggs are, are looking healthy, that they're looking good. You can't necessarily tell how long it's going to be before they hatch, but they don't seem to be dying or decaying. As Lance is kind of examining the eggs and he hears this, even though he doesn't feel like he's being spoken to directly, like you said, he's just being, he's just a passenger on the, or that she's almost just like a passenger on this thing. He's just going to almost like say out loud to himself, basically like, well, you're not here and you can't take care of them. And unless you can help me, Shut up. That's, and that's it. He'll just kind of pack up the eggs and close up the chest for, for the day. And I'll check on them daily throughout the journey. Sure, absolutely. We'll get to that. Uh, since Malamara is on kind of on a passive watch while, you know, we're finishing up dinner and such, she's been sitting and um, sharpening her new hand axes and, and kind of just taking care of them. And the muttering kind of brings her to... An awareness again of of the people around her um, and she's sitting with her back to the fire as she usually does she watches Lance for a few minutes watching him inspect the eggs muttering closing it up putting it away she kind of watching Zaza in his demon imp form scurrying around running up trees scurrying down he scurries past Fleeple as Fleeple's taking care of the fire and Malamara just curious clears her throat <clears throat> so uh Fleeple yes you are not originally from Greenis right oh no certainly not I I am not myself from Greenis no so where where were you before that what brought you to Greenis ah well uh near the uh the southern tip of the southwood on the borders of the high moor uh, it's a very swampy region. There's a lot of sort of caves at that uh, particular area, and that's where my clan resides. Uh, I was raised in the Svent clan back in the day. And uh, when you're raised as a kobold, you learn a lot of things about Tiamat, and you learn a lot of things about greed and how greed is good, and we need to try and make our way... We need to try and forward our own position in the world and whatnot. Uh, not a very considerate sort of worldview, you might say. I was mostly only able to survive because I found some sort of attunement with the Earth early on in my youth, and 
The other kobolds in the clan thought that it was useful to have me around. I wasn't strong. I couldn't capture food and bring it home. But I could read the swamps, and I could read the caves a bit better than everybody else. And so they made me their kind of shaman, I guess you could say. Sort of spiritual leader of sorts. Eventually, as I was taking on this role... Uh, word reached our clan of some increased dragon activity in the Forest of Worms further down the border of the moor. They'd been more aggressive and bold lately, and there were reports that they'd decimated entire other clans of kobolds in other parts of the region. And so uh, the elders of the clan were kind of freaked out by all that, and they said, well, maybe we should go and we should give them a gift, try and make peace and parley with these dragons so that we don't get, you know, eaten and burned alive and all that horrible stuff. And at this point, Zaza, he goes, yeah, that would freak me out quite a bit too. I can definitely get where your clan was coming from. As he's just perched on your shoulder, <laughs> Fleeple. It, it was a very bad time for everybody involved, but it became an even worse time for me when they said I should be the one to go talk to the dragons, because, um, you know, I'm sort of the shaman individual there. And they were like, okay, you go, you give them a gift, and we'll pledge all the service of our clan to these dragons so that we won't be destroyed. And uh, I went out, because it was my duty, and I was scared the entire way. And as I got close to the forest, I found a body washed up on a little hill in the marshes there, sticking up out of the muck. And he had this, this just dazzling armor made entirely of platinum, uh, but it was stained, it was corroded with what appeared to be poison, blisters on the skin of the face. You can only imagine the victim of some very powerful green dragons. And... You know, being an opportunist as I was growing up in a kobold clan, I decided to rifle through his belongings, see what I could find, and there were a couple of things that were particularly interesting. Uh, hanging about his neck was this, and I reach into my fleece and I pull out that platinum uh, shield, that little pendant uh, with the cameo of Bahamut on it. And also along with this, I found several scrolls and books also with this symbol of Bahamut. They told me all about the the tenets of those who worship the Platinum Dragon, and those who used the godly powers of Bahamut to work good and justice across the land, which was such a stark contrast to what I'd learned growing up, and started to realize the ruthlessness of these chromatic dragons, who they just destroy wantonly whatever they please. The rest of the world doesn't like them. The rest of the world thinks that they're evil. We're the only ones who seem to be trying to back these people up. And when I when I read these stories, I I hid myself away. I, I studied these writings for weeks on end, and I just I just wanted to do better. And I felt like I felt like maybe I could pay some sort of penance for the evil works of of my clan and the people that I come from. And so I, I eventually decided that I could never go back. And that I would go forth and serve Bahamut and try and, you know, end the tyranny of dragons wherever I can. Thomas, real quick, am I am I hearing this conversation? Sorry, am I, or am I just, this is happening while I'm doing the dragon egg thing? No. Oh. This is, even if it were, you definitely privy to this conversation. You can join in. Yeah, we, I was not being quiet by any means. So, 
your clan has no idea what happened to you. You you completely changed your religion and just went off? Well, they probably believe I'm dead. That's just how it is when you're a kobold. I find that to be quite sad. Yes, I, I no longer bear the name of the Svent clan. I am Thrikomenaki. And uh, Lance, do you still understand Draconic at the moment? I do. So uh, Svent is Draconic for arrow. Kobold clans are often named violent things. Uh, Thrikomenaki is, literally translates to without a name. And it's a name that's often taken by mostly dragonborn who separate themselves from their clan for some kind of loftier goal. So, yeah. Wow. I, I'm glad that we found you. I'm... I, f- I find that that's quite sad to hear that you don't have your clan. I didn't realize that. I, I, I guess I should have realized that if you were in Greenest being the only kobold that your clan wasn't around. But Yes, I wouldn't want to associate myself with Bevan too much as, uh, you know, my clan. I mean, he's, a, he's an okay guy. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything else because I don't want to be too rude. As Lance is listening to this conversation, he just kind of, as he's probably putting away the dragon, or, you know, just closing up the lid and packing it up, he's just going to kind of turn with the group and just be like, so you're just, you're clanless, and now just wandering, not wandering, that sounds negative. Oh, it's it's not, it's accurate. Well, you're searching for for a way to to make things right, to... To fight against the evil influences of the chromatic dragons. Is that correct? If I can potentially help other kobolds from growing up the way that I did, that would make me very happy. I think that's a good goal. I've... In my experience, I've seen plenty of evil. But I've also seen those who claim to stand for lots of good and decency doing some pretty terrible things in the name of bringing that to pass. Crusades kill as much as tyrants, so hmm. I don't know. I I noticed I noticed back at the cultist camp you got down on the kobolds there and a little bit on yourself, and I don't know. I just I like that thought that you just said. People can change. People can learn from mistakes. I think I think you're you're on a good journey. Just don't get too holy on me. Well, you know, the first time you saw me get holy on somebody, they ended up going up in flames, so... Very true, very true. Very true. That's true. Immolation. What about you, Lance? What brought you to Greenest? Oh, I was just traveling through. I I was just... I lived up north for a while and never really been down south, and I thought it was a good place to go to explore new opportunities and to... Get away from the old life. So you you just happened to be passing through Greenest when all of that went down. Are you accusing me of something? No, that I just what awful luck. <laughs> you know, I found that that is that can be definitely on my gravestone one day. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> awful luck. Yep. <laughs> As, as all of you start to laugh at this moment, uh, just kind of chuckle Zaza going, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's pretty pretty unlucky. Go and roll me a perception check, Lance. Perception? Yeah. Four, 14. 
it's very clear that as Mal is laughing at the rotten luck that you have and you you joining in, you know, it's it's uh and, and Fleeple probably chuckling to himself or it's just a, a good time to let off a little steam. The harmony of all of your laughs or giggles mixing in together, even though Zaza's is quite low and quite alien a little bit to it, you hear another voice just laughing on top of it all. And like the smoke that rises from the fire and eventually wisps out and disappears into the air, as you try to focus on it, the laughter, although very familiar, very missed, wisps away eventually as well. Lance just kind of, with hearing that, Lance is just kind of like, as everyone's kind of laughing and chuckling and the moment's subsiding, he's just awkwardly, like, continuing to laugh. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, just like, oh, crap. Because uh, he was going along with it as, like, playing into this, what he thinks might be a memory, but then realizing it's gone. With Zaza joining in with the laughter and kind of using that as maybe a way of, of connecting with humans since he doesn't exist, one of the emotions that uh, Malamara can feel kind of coming off of Zaza is this um, wonderment, maybe maybe not greed, but, but quite close to that. She kind of senses that Zaza is focused in on that scarf around Lance's neck, since it is so brightly colored and so interesting that a, a devil or a demon might feel covetous of it or envious of it and interested in it. And so feeling that wave of emotion kind of swim over her, uh, Malamara turns her attention to that. Uh, she'll turn more fully toward Lance. Lance, me. can I ask about your scarf? Because I feel like that's, no offense, but I I feel like that maybe isn't, <laughs> doesn't go with your wardrobe. And I noticed that at the cultist camp that it was over your robes. And when Kava reached out to try and touch it, you, you shrink back from it. Is Oh, no, no. it's just, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a silly old thing. It's, um, um, it's just, it's just, I found it and it was so odd and uh, perplexing that I decided to... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I have it. Um, Can I roll an insight check? You may. And Jacob, you may choose to roll a deception or persuasion check. You don't have to tell us which one it is. I'm not going to give myself guidance because I don't want to tip my hand here. I I got a 17. Tough luck. My three. (laughs) (laughs) My three is hard to compete with. All right. So, Lance, like, what, what would what would Fleeple see with, with your three of, like, persuasion or deception? What, what would he see behind the mask a little bit? Yeah, oh, Fleeple would tell that Lance is totally avoiding answering this question. He's totally just trying to, like, as he's doing it, he's, like, crossing his arms and trying to, like, move his collar around a little bit to with his coat just to, like, cover up that a little bit more and just, like, oh, yeah, like... It's like if if you, as a kid, you, like, snuck out or you ever did something that, you know, you weren't supposed to and your mom's just like, so, like, what happened today? And you're like, oh, you know, just, just, you know, I was bored. I was just hanging around the house, you know. <laughs> and it's obvious that that's not what it was. 
that's what Fleeple is seeing. Fleeple is seeing just outright avoidance of of the topic and not very good avoidance of it. Yeah, in addition to that, Fleeple, you would notice that Lance, almost uh, without realizing it as like a habit, a couple times just within a few seconds, on a, uh, actually, or 15 seconds, he like pushes a scarf close to his neck. Like he's he not only pats it, but then like tightens it a little bit, pats it again and tightens it again, uh, just sort of like a nervous habit as he's looking around. So in addition to what Jacob said, that's what you also would notice. As I notice how uncomfortable Lance is getting, I myself get incredibly uncomfortable, and I stand up and I go, I'm going to go make a tribute to the latrine god really quick. I'll be back <laughs> shortly. And uh, <laughs> I walk out of the campsite. Well, uh, yeah, as Lance is just kind of like, so yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know why I, I picked it up. Uh, Spine of the North, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's uh, originally where I'm from. Do you, I mean, you hail the spine of the north. You only hear tales of that, not see many people come out of that area. Are you, did you live in, how did you, if you don't mind me asking, how did you live up there? You're honestly, after, after living the past three or four years down here, I'm not really sure. <laughs> My tribe was pretty nomadic and we we lived off of the beasts that we hunted and we had tarp tents that somehow kept the warmth in and honestly i i don't know why people do it i think that they're just stubborn and they they hold on to traditions well yeah i mean that's why anybody lives the way they do and doesn't want to see another way stubbornness pride and tradition of it all what made you break away well my my clan does not exist anymore and so i truthfully came south because i i didn't know what else to do uh sorry you're not good at this i'm sorry to hear that um (laughs) It, it's okay. It, it happened a long time ago. Well, I know I know you mentioned you had a brother, and I assume that he was part of that, so... Yeah, my, uh, my clan was taken out by an orc raid, and my brother and I were... I've, uh, sometime I'll tell you this story, but to make a long story short, we, we weren't in camp when it happened, and so he, he went off on his own, and I just... I had to... Make my own way. Not many people like to travel with half orcs. Were your parents? I don't. I don't want to pry. I don't want to. I shouldn't pry. I'm sorry. It's it's really fine. I, like I said, it, it happened a long time ago. Um, I was actually raised by my grandparents, and uh, yeah, uh, humans, and they they were both killed, as well. I'm the pain of losing family. <laughs> I don't. I, I. I would assume because Lance's previous terribleness at deception, <laughs> that probably Malamara sees like he's really struggling. Like you can almost tell he's fighting about what to say, and in the sense of like, kind of like a shut up, but a I want to talk, and it's kind of like a it's a hard loss, and it's one I I um I can I I can relate to, and um mm. and I know things can get buried to avoid it and 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your loss. Thanks. Thank you. I I mean I'm I'm sorry for yours as well. Um, I I don't know how what? how long ago it was, but if if it was recent, I it uh, um it becomes easier if uh with time, and I think if you find someone to to confide in. So I I don't want to I don't want to pry. I don't want you to feel no, awkward. Um, no, but if I some was, if was... at some point you want to talk. <laughs> Well, Fleepla hasn't gone too far from camp. He's actually just, like, sitting behind a tree just outside of eyeshot, but out of, uh, within earshot. So I'm still there, like, hearing all of this stuff and just feeling a lot of stuff along with it and not really sure what to do. So I'm just still kind of sitting there for a moment thinking about the, f- the fact that apparently all of us are orphans. Oh, that's right. Oh. The DM's heart grew three sizes that day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first and foremost, everybody take an inspiration. Oh, look at that. His heart did grow three sizes that day. There we go. But with that, I also want Malamar to roll a wisdom saving throw. Sure. If I was ready for D&D, I would have had my dice out. 19. 19. So... As this scene fades away, which can be picked up at a later time with another conversation, another campfire, and as Malamara, you come to your senses, all of this playing out in your mind. It actually happened, but you just remember it for this sort of swipe transition that I'm doing right now. It, you wince as you hold your side from the the battle that you just recently literally got done with, and... It's been a few minutes. People are bound. Two of the individuals are confirmed dead, while the one monk who had the uh, letter that they had written is now unconscious. And everything is gathered around the campfire. And Malamara, as you look around, survey the scene, everybody's sort of just gathering themselves before this interrogation or or whatever they do happens. And Malamara, as you're just looking around, you think back to this moment and think about how synchronous this battle was when your mind is intruded by a voice just because they understand the loss doesn't mean they understand your given situation and as it's almost like you're forced to look at these three individuals in turn because you rolled a 19 though this saying imposes itself onto your heart, onto your mind, and it starts to bring you down. But immediately after you look at each of these individuals on the ground that are tied up, your attackers, you force yourself to look at Fleeple and Lance, and similarly at yourself through the sword that that you have. And what would have brought you down, what would have enraged you, you decide that you push that off to the side, and you don't have to believe that. Because your experience is slightly different. So, we now come back to after the battle that last night before you get to Candlekeep, everybody has gathered around. The thunder wave happened. Uh, the warrior is d- defeated. One of the monks is defeated. And, and uh, one of them is tied up, as I said, with this letter. This, this uh, alien creature, humanoid, bipedal, meaning two legs, two arms... And looks like it could have some ancestry of Elvish to them, but 
it's just not right necessarily and and with their language it being so 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 different from your own you can't can't even pick up hints of like if it being dwarvish or elvish or even undercommonish you now have this unconscious body before you what would each of you like to do we had talked some possibly about an interrogation here but is is that is that still the plan moving forward I'm talking to my mirthful face spirit, uh, who I still have for up to an hour. And I'm like, all right, as soon as this bozo here wakes up, you're just going to go teleport around him until he fails that saving throw. And he's going to think we're cool. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Now, does it say when they save on the throw, they are, they're immune for 24 hours. I'm sorry. I just don't have the spell in front of me. Uh, unless the save succeeds, the target is charmed by you and the Fey for one minute or until the target takes any damage. No stipulations as far as immunity if they succeed. Well done. <laughs> so this faithful, this uh, mirthful spirit just sort of like prances around you. It gets your gist. It, it jives with you, Jank. After the battle, like surveying it on. Is everyone all right? Um... Uh, Manamara, are you hurt? Uh, yeah, but not not bad. I think I'm I think I'm okay. Sleepful? How are you? Uh, I'm doing. I'm just very excited to you know. I, we haven't had a good interrogation in such a long time, and it just felt so good to be the good cop. And I'd really like to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> the good the good constable, you mean, right? Yes, the good constable. <laughs> Cops don't exist in this world. Why am I the one with battle fatigue? All right. Um, <clears throat> that was intense. Um, all right. Uh, you want to interrogate him? I am terrible at talking. I've noticed. Lance is going to let that hang for a second. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to... I will search the bodies, see if I can gather anything from them that we might be able to use in the interrogation. Um, but I don't think I would be much of a help here. Uh, so Lance, why don't you go and roll an investigation check to inspect these bodies, including the unconscious one, just see if they have anything hidden, to see if they have any ideas or clues about what where they are, what they are, or where they might have come from. All right. Good roll for me. That's a 28. Whoa! I rolled a 19, and I am an expert in investigation with... Rogy things. Rogy dice. Rogy dice for rogy things. So that's 19 plus 9. Well, with your 28, you are thorough, and you know that you can be thorough here. With your dark vision, you're able to turn over the bodies, and uh, the sword, it's actually just a normal great sword. You don't get a vibe that, like, there's no, like, jewels in it. There's no, like, magic emanating from it that you can tell, but you're not super adept to magic to begin with. However, the design is wrong. It's just weird. It's just off. It's not a traditional just straight blade. And this further emphasizes your thoughts of like, are these elves or types of elves? But because the structure, this blade is very flowy, like like the ocean almost. Like, and it's it's not like so intense that like the blade is impractical, right? But it does have like where it flows in one part it has a sharp jagged edge to to it and you think that might have been a default but it is part of the blade and then it flows another time and then it just jags and so like this blade is 
one that's both ornamental, but you touch it and it is sharp as it can be. Like it's it's sharp as sharp as like some of your knives after working on them for like a good thirty minutes each, and it's just confusing to say the least. Anything else on these individuals, their money is minimal. I'd say like maybe amongst all of them, like a, a gold and three silver max. And so it doesn't look like they were out traveling to from town to town. And so you can make a couple assumptions from that. They're not wealthy travelers. Thieves? It, it could be. But what you do find on the individual that had the letter, which you pick up or somebody here is welcome to pick up. Mal's the one that probably had uh, the letter, but hidden in one of in the pocket of his tunic, his long robes, you recall, you find an object and you pull it out and it just appears to be this rock and you turn it over and um, Mal, do you have detect magic up? Uh, I was going to say I'll use my Eldridge sight to cast detect magic. So as as yeah as uh, Lance uh, pulls up this rock, immediately that rock is emanating just this slow pulse of like from that rock, and you can feel that with your magic going Malamara. So Malamara, you can feel this thrumming. It's just like this steady beat. It's not like intense. That's like pressing on your mind. It's just like oh, that's that's a certain type of magic for sure. He had a rock in his pocket? I'm not sure. I don't... Maybe he's a collector? It was well hidden, though. Like, it was... It wasn't in a pocket. It was, It was like, in a pocket within a pocket that had a secret pocket type of situation. That sounds really unnecessary. So, it was in, like, a secret fold of his jacket that you found. Um, but it, it was well hidden that you were able to find with a amazing 28. I mean, I've seen pet rocks before, but this isn't... This feels way unnecessary. Oh... While he's looting the body and while Fleeple is either casting Healing Word or just waiting for this other guy to wake up, Malamara will do a quick sweep around with her Eldridge site to make sure that there's nobody else, that these were the only three in this party, or that there's nobody else out and around trying to sneak up on us. So go and roll a perception check then, Malamara. Sure. Also, as I'm searching this individual... Because this isn't the one who we tied up. This is a different one, right? No, this is the one that you tied up that had the letter. Gotcha. Fleeple's standing right there, and I'm going to say to him, like, did you notice in the, in, in the attack that they seem to be focusing a lot on Malamara? I did notice that, in fact. And I've got some questions. There is certainly... And I lean in a little bit closer to him and lower my voice... It seems that there is certainly some sort of external, otherworldly influence about Mal. I don't know what kind of force it might be, but it has concerned me. Are you talking about when you're talking about when the tentacles come out of the ground and suck people down into the netherland? That that's a part of it. That is certainly one indication that has kind of stuck in my brain that maybe something weird is going on. I would say that did catch my eye as well. And. On the whole, I'm not one to pry, but... Oh, no, of course not. I can't help feeling that the reason that Malamara was targeted was due to her connection with whatever is causing these tentacles and bouts of rage and all that stuff. You think her source of magic 
these attackers are connected to? I don't know if they are allied necessarily, or if there is some antagonistic force out there in the greater cosmology that is really unhappy with whoever Mal is leeching power off of. That sound that sounds bad. Whoever Mal is has this contract with uh, somebody's trying to kill Mal and they might kill us too if we're too close. How do you know she has a con I'm so confused. I'm not um maybe you know more I'm not a magic user, so I don't know how these things work. I just assume she just was some like spine of the spine of the north thing she's got going on. Like freaky magic up in the north, you know, they kill babies and burn villages like hers was. They get freaky. Yeah, there is a lot of freaky stuff up in the north. I haven't studied it too much in the past, but... I've just said stories. There are different ways that individuals get their magic. I get mine from the very ground itself that we walk upon, the living essence of our planet. Seems convenient. Others might immerse themselves in study. Others might simply be born with it. Others, maybe you make a deal. Make a deal. Let's make a deal. With who? That's what I'm wondering. But whoever it is, there's something weird going on. Mal, let's get back to your perception check here. Um, Do you have that number that you rolled for it? Yes, my perception was eight. So with an eight, unfortunately... Uh, as I mentioned previously, this night there is no cloud. Like the cloud cover is very strong, so it's hard to see with the moon because it's only sporadic that the moon is coming through. But with your magic, it does help as you're pinging magical sources, and you actually do a wide perimeter, and you don't feel any additional magic, and you don't hear or see any additional creatures outside the natural, like squirrel or bird or owl or things like that. And I'll, I'll have Zaza doing kind of the opposite. So I'll whistle to do a, a check as well, since imps have dark vision, just to be sure. Excellent. Go, uh, go ahead and roll a perception check for Zaza, since they are a familiar. That's not much better. The imp has a, it, the imp has a plus one perception. So 10. Okay. So as you complete your wide circle, Zaza comes over. I didn't see anything. Did you see anything? I did not. Yeah. Well, let's come back together. All all of you having finished your conversation, finishing the uh, rounding up, the merciful spirit. uh, Jumping around. And right before Mel comes back, I'm just going to finish Fleeple and Mine's thing. I'm just going to be like, should we like talk to Mal tomorrow about this? Or should we like, because I feel like we have to ask this thing about why it was after her. I mean, maybe it'll come up during the conversation with the prisoner. It's come up naturally. Like, hey, what's your name? Why are you hunting our best friend? Does she ever deal with some evil force out there that we need to be aware of that wants to kill all of us? Yes, exactly. Let it happen naturally instead of just asking somebody why they're wearing a... Let's talk to the... I'm going to wake him up, but first I'm going to make sure that he's really tied up. Mal, go and roll a a perception check, because you were walking up while they're having this conversation. So depending on what you roll, we'll determine how much you heard. 17. Oh, okay. So you didn't quite hear the beginning where he was like, should we ask Mal? Uh, you, You came in where he was like, I think it'll come up when we question the prisoner. It'll come up naturally. That's right. Fleeple, easy enough. 
very securely tied up and but you spend another 10 minutes just to make sure because you do not want this creature getting out because of the damage that they can do um but sure enough you can wake them up with uh you would have to spend some sort of healing spell because they are unconscious yeah we're gonna just go ahead and do a healing word at fifth level got it at first level (laughs) yeah i rolled a one that's gonna be five hit points Five healing points. Okay, sounds good. As this creature wakes up. And again, it, you're immediately reminded of the way they talked. Every sound that they make is immediately followed by that same exact sound a half a second later. But in like a reverb, like with some reverb on it. And, and they wake up and look around at you and they, they don't say anything. And I point to the phase spirit. And uh, it's going to use its phase step. So this uh, this prisoner needs to make a DC 15 wisdom saving throw. Statistically speaking, doing this for 40 minutes every six seconds, probably going to succeed. Let me just roll just, uh, yeah, first two rolls, three. So there you go. All right. So this creature is charmed by your mirthful spirit and therefore by you, Fleeple. Mm-hmm. And I lean down to the prisoner and I say, Would you like some salami? Would you like some, some cheese? Oh, goodness. This one doesn't understand our language, it seems. He had the, a letter, a piece of paper. Can I open that paper up? Because we've never actually looked at it. What what language? What language is, can we? Any of us recognize the language on the paper? Uh, what languages does everybody speak? Common, Elvish, Orcish, Halfling, and Draconic. Common, Draconic, Sylvan, Druidic, and Primordial. Wow, and Mal. Common. Ooh, <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> Zaza also knows Infernal. Okay. Okay. All of you take a good moment because you have you have a little bit of time. Even though this creature was charmed, they're going to be charmed eventually anyway again. This mirthful spirit has not stopped pouncing and jumping around, okay? And so each of you take a moment. Zaza takes a look at it. You take a look at it. And you feel like you can pick up hints of this language. Jacob, or sorry, Lance, you pick up with it with Elvish a little bit. And Fleeple, you pick up a little bit with Sylvan. Not quite, but none of you can read this language or even putting your minds together. It's actually impossible for you to read this language. If only we were going to an incredibly well-stocked library full of incredibly intelligent people. It's coming up naturally. Um, let's, here, let me try, let me try and talking to it because I can tell there's some kind of, elf thing going on with this. Let me see if I... I'm going to try and speak to him in elf. In elvish. I'm just going to use my regular voice for it then. Um, can you understand me? Before they respond, as you're saying, they sort of like cock their head a little bit and like look at you. And they're like, they're looking at what you said and like trying to mouth the words that you said. It doesn't seem that they necessarily recognize it, but there was something... Maybe there. I don't. I don't know. Do we want to? How far away? I'm talking to the group. How far away from Candlekeep are we? 
simple enough you'll get there within a half day's journey nice so what if we bring this fellow with us to Candlekeep? i think it's a great idea i'm not sure i mean we can sh- try we can't force the thing to walk well we've got we've got horses oh that's right we do sorry i totally spaced that we had horses so did i until just barely my gosh horses <laughs> where are the horses <laughs> so you want to take the thing that was actively trying to kill us to a library. You say that like it's a bad thing. That feels like a very bad thing. Aramara, this is a library, but you've got to remember this is this is like the library of libraries. So like you've got some pretty high-end people protecting it. It's not just like you can waltz into this place and say, hey, you got any young adult fantasy novels. It's not like that kind of place. This is high-end stuff here I'm talking about. So it's going to have a lot of protection. And you're hoping that somebody there will speak this thing's language? That's the hope? That is the hope, in fact. Or even if they don't, it's another way that they will be very willing to work with us and talk to us because we're bringing them something that is weird and odd and probably not many people have seen this kind of thing before. Some scholar cloistered up in that library is going to be just absolutely bonkers to see this alien that we're bringing. So we can be the cool kids at the library. You're the kids that are always on the computers. (laughs) Oh, man, how'd you get Oregon Trail 3? I don't know. I I like Fleeple's idea because it just gets us another in at the library. This thing was... And I kind of look at Fleeple. Naturally speaking, was looking like it was coming after you. That's that's how it works, right, Fleeple? That's how it works? Uh, sure, sure, sure. Fleeple just gets a brain aneurysm. Nailed it, <laughs> yes. Which also is kind of another reason I don't super want him around. But don't you want to know why he's after you? Honestly, that letter, more than good enough for me. The letter might just be like, Hey, pick up some eggs on your way home. We don't know what it says. Having a person to talk to, or at least... Wait, do, do you think this thing is trying to pick up eggs on its way home? And I look towards the trunk with the dragon eggs in it. No, Fleeple, I don't... Fleeple, that was just an example. I'm sorry. I agree with Fleeple's idea. I can definitely understand your apprehension, Malamara, because of it being after you. I look at Fleeple like... Look at what we did, naturally. Got it in the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so I can understand your apprehension. But I think if if something... If, and this wasn't just a loner. This was, this was a, a coordinated attack. I would feel like, because we travel with you, we would need to know what the heck is coming after us. If you both want to keep him and want to watch over him... More power to you. I feel like that's... I will support you. I still feel like it's a bad idea to keep somebody who's actively trying to kill us with us. Well, um, we can just keep knocking him out. And we'll tie him up on the back of the horse. And if he tries anything, I mean, we're pretty skilled at many things. We could easily take him down pretty good. Yeah, and as you look over at this prisoner... Um, you can see while you're engaged in this conversation, they're trying to wriggle. Man. No, no, stop, stop that, stop. But 
they can't get out of the bonds that Fleeple had tied up. Fleeple had spent a v- sufficient amount of time to really make sure that they are hogtied. And so they're uncomfortable, but they're not getting out. So if as long as you're okay with them being uncomfortable, you're pretty safe to assume that they will not be able to escape. I support you guys. I know you're nervous, but know that us wanting to keep this thing is us trying to support you to avoid more of these things coming, and we've got to know what the crap this is all about. All right. Don't worry. If it gets loose, then I will throw myself in the path and it can kill me instead. Oh, Fleeple. Fleeple, we need to talk about the crusade thing again. Um, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that's not the direction I was... Okay. All right. Uh, let's flow him. We'll throw him on a horse, and Fleeple, you ride with me. Okay. For the sake of speeding this up a little bit... The night goes on without issue. This was the pretty big event, and so all, although you do take sufficient watch, Ned, you had something? I, I just want to make a stupid joke really quick. Um, now that we are we are done with our little miniature crusade here under the stardust, uh, I look at my face spirit. He definitely needs a name. He's, he's standing here next to me, such a, a star battler for the Platinum Dragon. So I'm going to name him Star Platinum which is something that I don't think any of my friends are going to understand, but somebody out in podcast world is really going to love it. I promise. <laughs> I will admit I don't understand, but maybe one day I will. All right, I say farewell to Star Platinum, and he goes back off to whatever Fey realm he came from. Wonderful. All right. The night goes without issue with each of you taking watch and really focusing and paying attention on this prisoner. The prisoner actually after the first couple of hours just is taking deep breaths and actually doesn't seem to be presently they enter like Lance like you do sort of a meditative state you can rouse them you can shake them and you do a couple times on your watch and they like look at you but then they go back to their just deep breaths and breathing so still present but maybe trying to tune out their current situation But you all wake up the next morning, and after dousing the fire and getting ready, you head off to the Library of Candlekeep. And after a half-day's journey with the arrangements as such, as we previously discussed, you approach this library from the east. Now, there have been some small hills for each of you to cross as you are slow hills up and down, up and down, up and down, and finally... You reach a large enough hill to where you overlook Candlekeep itself. Roughly two miles ahead of you to the west, you see your destination. And for those of you that have spent any time in a larger city, you do and you would and do recognize the tall, imposing stone walls surrounding the entire structure. And even from this distance, you can see the entrance has a large opening, which probably has a portcullis that descends at night in or in in any sort of emergency, but it is a large opening. Something you might not have expected, however, are the sheer amount of towers that are jutting into the air inside the keep itself. Traditional castles and strongholds usually have some uniformity to their structure, but this, all of the towers appear to be built at random with different colors, sizes, shapes, widths, circumferences, all the geometry terms here. They all are different with the exclusion of one large tower jutting directly from the center that seems to have cascading towers of the same 
architecture and color built on onto the side of it. It looks chaotic, but at least you are reaching your final destination. And going uh, two miles later, you get to the front door. And as you get to the front door, you see that there are a variety of people milling about this entrance. There are a sort of guard standing in front of the entrance. And this portcullis is tall. It's like, it's 40 feet tall. And the entrance is like a hundred feet wide. It could let a whole, like a whole uh, city in um, if absolutely needed to. People could rush through or rush out or maybe a large creature, a giant could fit through here, you think. Um, but you reach the entrance. Lance, knowing that Fleeple has mentioned that the biggest place he's ever been to in green is greenest, I'm just going to like lean over to Fleep or Fleeple's, I guess, on my horse because we had the other guy tied up on the other horse. I'm just going to kind of turn to Fleeple a little bit. Let's go. This is... Are you okay? This is a pretty big place to go to. You said you haven't really been to many places. This is a very big place, in fact. I don't know where we're going to be sleeping tonight, but I'm sure that Leosin will be able to find us a couch or something. I'm... <laughs> you just... Don't be nervous. You got this. Oh, sh- should I be nervous? And almost as if Leosin was pulled from the air, uh, you hear a voice, a familiar voice. Ah! Flapel! Flapel! And standing in the entrance behind the guards, like a little bit further into the entryway, you see Leosin uh, waving and rushing over to you. It seems that he's been, uh, he rushed from the center of Candlekeep and uh, is rushing to meet you at the entrance. Hey, give him the finger guns. Okay, so he, he rushes up to all of you. And uh, as he rushes up and he goes, Oh, thank heavens. Thank heavens you all received my message and you're here. And uh, sort of like, not secretly, but like a little bit more subdued. He like quickly gives you the finger guns as well. Like like from the hip, like, gotcha. <laughs> uh, Leosin goes, uh, it's, it's fortuitous that all of you uh, made it here in time. Uh, or at the very least, uh, made it when you did. Um, I'm, I'm very pleased to see all of you, uh, but if I may, and he, uh, waves over to the guards, uh, these are with me, and each of the guards goes, they have to, uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry, uh, master, they, they have to bring some form of payment, and Leosin kind of rolls his eyes and goes, huh, and rushes over to the guard and gives them four tomes. Just that was in his satchel. And he goes, uh, whispers something under his breath, and the guards go, shrugs, and just, and just takes the tomes and walks off into Candlekeep itself, and he goes, all right, I've, I've, I've paid for your entrance fee here, but please, if, if all of you could come with... And realize that he gave four tomes, sees the fourth creature on this horse, and is just now taking it in and goes, oh my, I believe we have some some catching up to do here. Uh, I, I'm, I'm afraid that'll have to wait for the time being. Uh, please, follow me. Follow me. This is Wan Chi Tong's library, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the Forgotten Realms version of it. As, as he rushes, as you rush in, you see that this main, as soon as you pass through the portcullis, there is this gigantic open courtyard of just stone and pavement. 
There are no plants, no furniture, no statues of any real kind, but on the surrounding walls of this, and I'm talking like two football field sizes, like in length and width. It's wide, and you're like, wow, this seems really unnecessary. Surrounding the walls, you do see chimneys uh, with smoke coming out and like some small towers, but on the very end, the other side of this, you see this massive emerald green door, and it, it it's glimmering in the light, and, and, and Leoson seems to be taking you there. And he goes, uh, uh, my friends, I... I apologize for how hasty I am, but there's an amazing opportunity I wish to present to you, to give to you, and um, I think it could be in both of our favors if you were to take me up on this offer. Um, there is a individual I need you all of your assistance with to recover inside the keep itself, and um, I can promise you that there is a, with you arriving when you did, Substantial reward if you were to uh, take me up on this offer. Someone inside. Can you get inside? Uh, I could, but I've actually been ordered not to pursue. And normally, when it comes to <laughs> orders for myself, I, you might have known, I am willing to break those in a time where I feel is... Uh, when a cause is worthy, and I was considering it myself, but with your arrival, I feel like this might be a great opportunity for you to gain some favor, perhaps, which is partially the reward I offer you. This person, believe it or not, is stuck inside of a book. And that's where we're going to end tonight's session. Page master. <laughs> Where's Macaulay Culkin? <laughs> well, maybe one of us has to be Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> what a great movie. Well done, everybody. Stuck inside a book. But we don't even have a library card yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see what this mysterious figure inside this book, who they are, and what this mission they're being tasked with to do? What favor are they possibly going to earn as a reward? Is there a monetary reward involved as well? We'll have to find out next time on I Cast Fireball. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. We are just so grateful that you are taking the time out of your day, your week, your binge-a-thon of our podcast to give us a chance and to join us for this week's episode. Wherever you get your podcast from, please leave us a review. It helps boost our ratings throughout each podcast service, puts us in other people's recommended feeds, as you all know, and it lets us know that you like what we're doing. As always, if you want to write something a little bit longer, you could email us at iCastFireball2020 at gmail.com. As always, we'd love to hear from you, and we're always hoping to get the word out there and set this podcast on fire. To get the most recent up-to-date content from all of us here, follow us on Instagram and Twitter with the handle iCastFireball20. There you can get the possible sneak peeks, interesting insights, maybe a little teaser for next episode on who they're going to try and save. As always, we want to give a quick shout-out to our sister podcast, Improv Tabletop, where Ned 
Our resident Cobalt takes a turn as the GM and runs through many one-month adventures using the Fate Accelerated Tabletop system. Whether you like tabletop gaming, improvisation, or hearing from Ned, go give him a listen. Lastly, like, subscribe, and share with your friends and fellow wacky adventurers. But until next time, I'm Thomas, your DM, and around the table we have... Malamara. Lance Thalen. And Fleeple. Keep that fire going, and we'll see you all next time.